Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Pulp Diction Podcast. Uh, first one in a number of weeks, but NBA regular season over, NBA playoffs starting up. Had to get Nick Young back on the podcast to look at what we think is going to happen in the real NBA season. So, Nick, what's up? Good to be back, Zach. I mean, I'll tell you, we could have we could have had a pod to talk about maybe some movies or maybe talk about... Um, talk about soccer but like honestly the last 20 games of the NBA season I could basically give a shit I mean there's a little bit like of cool stuff happening with like the last playoff teams and that happened out west like that Nuggets T-Wolves game was great but for the most part for the most part you've got 95% meaningless games so I, I don't feel like we were really missing a lot by being away. No, I mean, everyone's just kind of waiting for the playoffs to start at that point in the season. And the the downside about how long the playoffs are is that the end of the regular season drags out. The upside is that the playoffs are awesome and they last from now until, like, mid-June. So it's we're going to get a really good ride. And I'm really excited about these playoffs more so than previous years because... I think both conferences are really up in the air, and I think a lot of these first-round series are really up in the air. I mean, last year, I think the Cavs and Warriors lost one game combined heading to the finals. Um, that's not going to be the case this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's there's also a really good chance for, for there to be some upsets, you know? Yeah. Like, the NBA playoffs, really for the past four or five years, there really haven't been many major, major upsets. It's like... You know, uh, LeBron's team and whoever was, was king out west, whether it was the Thunder, the Warriors, or the Spurs, you know, just sort of would go through. And maybe we'd have some exciting, you know, uh, round two games, maybe an exciting round three, but mostly it was just sort of predetermined. And this is like the first year in a while that I feel like we're going to have some really like, I don't know what's going to happen in round one or round two. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the only teams who really separated themselves from other playoff teams record-wise are Houston, Golden State, and Toronto. And Toronto, like, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. That that series is not at all decided, in my opinion, um, particularly because the Raptors have lost their first, I think, nine, or their last nine game ones of every playoff series they've been in. Um, so they don't really handle the playoffs too well. The Houston over Minnesota... We'll see. I mean, it depends what kind of Jimmy Butler you're getting, but that could be interesting. Minnesota was on track to be a three or four seed at least before Butler went down. Mm-hmm. And Golden State versus San Antonio, we'll talk about this. Golden State with Curry and Golden State without Curry are two different teams, as good as Kevin Durant is. Well, I mean, everything that I just said about the playoffs not being as predetermined this year, I feel like I do know for a fact that Golden State's going to win. The title? Yes. Wow, I do not agree. Okay, um, great. So let's let's get into it. Let's start. Let's start with the the Eastern Conference, and, <laughs> and let's do. Um, we'll go in descending order. Basically, I'm gonna go one eight two seven. I'm basically gonna go for each of these. I've already talked about this too much. The ones that the gambling odds think are gonna be the least fun series will go descending. Okay. So at minus seven hundred. For Toronto versus plus 450 for Washington. We have the 1 8 series. Um, pure value play, if I had to bet on one of these teams, I'm betting on Washington. I do think that. I think the series goes one of two ways. 
either Washington craters immediately, and it's clear that there are real, real issues with the wall foundation um, because the team has looked much happier and fluid without him, even though he's much better than Thomas Sadoransky. Um, so either they crumble around bad chemistry or they come in and punch Toronto in the mouth and it's going to be a six-game at least series. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that, that I think from, like, if I had to bet on it, I would bet Washington for the odds. But I really, really don't think Washington has a shot in hell at this one. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um, the first being that after Wall, Beal, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, maybe Sadoransky, there's nobody else on that team who I even remotely like. And the Raptors, while like having a lot of depth, isn't necessarily something that will win you a championship, as the as the Bulls of the you know early 2010s proved um, quite quite effectively. It is enough to, to beat a very shallow, flawed Washington team. So that's one reason. And then the other just being that, like, Lowry and DeRozan are better than Wall and Beal. And it's not close. Like, I, I watched too much Bradley Beal this year. I like him. I think he's a, he's a good, maybe great NBA player. I don't think he's a superstar. And, like, maybe without John Wall, maybe he f- finds his own way how to do it. But, like... I, I don't believe in Bradley Beal, and I especially don't believe in John Wall, which is sad for me to say because I think one of our first podcasts I did, I was raving about how much I love those guys. That's what owning both of them in a fantasy league and watching <laughs> them all season will do to you. Uh, th- this team is really disappointing, and, a, and you know I'll say it every single time I'm on the podcast and he comes up, Scotty Brooks should have been fired on the tarmac after Game 7 last year. The fact that he's still coaching this team is just so fucking beyond me. The, I, I give Washington next to no chance to beat Toronto. So this is good because I'm going to disagree with almost everything you said. Fantastic. And sometimes we don't disagree I enough. Great. So I think that the gap between... I give Washington a huge chance in the series. I think the gap between Wall and Beal and DeRozan and Lowry is very minimal. I would still probably rather have, rather have Lowry and DeRozan just because of experience, but... Honestly, you look at them side by side, DeRozan, more reliable scorer, Beal, way, way, way better shooter. Um, I think this gets lost sometimes, that when you can't shoot, you have to hold the ball, because your guy won't guard you if you don't have the ball. So someone like Beal has a ton of value just standing on the opposite side of the court, whereas DeRozan doesn't. Um, So I think those two are close. I think you look at Wall and Lowry... John Wall, for as much shit as he's deservedly gotten uh, this year for his shaky chemistry and how good the team looked without him, is still like as good as anyone at creating three-point shots that are wide open for his teammates. Um, I'll always go back to something Jared Dudley said when he was on a podcast about Wall, that like he thought Wall was as good or better of a passer than Steve Nash, and he's like, Wall gets guys paid because Wall whips in the lane, whips balls to people's hands wide open from three. Like, Dudley shot 50% from three. He should not do that ever. Um, and Lowry's really good, but Lowry put up a 16-7. and seven. My whole thing with the Raptors this year is I think Masai is a genius. I think he's a top three executive in the league because Absolutely. he used a series of late first-round picks and undrafted free agent signings to build a really good young core that largely plays as the second team on this Raptors team. And 
if you look at the Raptors' wins over the past, they're always right around 50, 52 wins. This year, they're at 59, and the only reason why, in my opinion, is that their bench was by far the best bench in the league. I think the starters are the same guys. Um, so if you look at, you know, depth in the playoffs, it can cut both ways. That first Warriors title, you know, Curry was really good in the playoffs, and Clay was really good, and Draymond was really good, but their depth was probably the biggest factor because um, they would just run... They would go on runs almost every time that Livingston, Iguodala, crew started hitting the floor. David Lee was nice. David Lee was nice at times. At at the same time, you know, someone like the Raptors who just have rolled out five-man bench mobs for long periods of time, can you do that in the playoffs when Washington is playing Bradley Beal and John Wall 42 minutes a game? So you're getting, you know, how would the all-bench lineup hang against three Washington starters you know, Kelly Oubre and Jan Mahinmi. I don't know. But see, this is but this is the interesting thing, though, is that the the bench mob is going to make Beal and Wall and Oubre work. And, like, when it gets into the crunch time, and this is, and this is why I think Scotty Brooks should have been fired on the tarmac. He played Wall and Beal 42 minutes. Uh, Beal, I don't think, came off the court in the second half of Game 7 against yeah, the Celtics last year. they played like 45 minutes. And they, and they, like, could not hit a shot at the end of the game because they were so fucking tired. And, like, I would so much rather have DeRozan, you know, playing 35, 36 minutes than, like, that full second in half of Bradley Beal. Yeah, that was ass. At the same time, that was a second-round playoff series. This is the first-round series. Um, Wall hasn't been playing a ton, so he should be fresh. You, they should not wear down too much by the end of a six-game, seven-game series, particularly with the two, three days off in between. Um, I mean, yeah, I just I think it's going to be closer than we think. I mean, like you said, Scotty Brooks, not my favorite playoff coach. I think the Dwayne Casey coach of the year buzz is ridiculous. I mean, he's just a nice guy that people like hyping, I think. I think he's done good. I don't think he's the coach of the year, but he's done good. Well, they're just the same team with a better, with an insanely good bench, and that's, I mean, part of that's Dwayne Casey, but a lot of that is Masai, and a lot of that is other people than Dwayne, and, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm not prepared to sit here and say Toronto is a better team than they were last year. I think they have a really, really nice bench. They got a lot of nice young pieces. I don't know how they'll contribute in a playoff game. The one thing that gives me hope is for Toronto is, and probably why I'd pick them uh, straight up, even though I think the Washington odds are better, is that Toronto relies a lot on three-guard lineups with Van Vliet or DeLon Wright or you know, some of their, one of their small bench guys playing with Lowry and DeRozan to close. And I don't think Washington has the wherewithal to pick on playing three guys under 6'6", or playing Lowry and Van Vliet, who are both short. So I think, you know, I think it'll be fine. I think the way Washington plays, Van Vliet can be out there and easily just go stand next to Oubre in the corner and, and totally be fine. Who was that guy who was out there at the end of the game? We were watching Washington, I think, actually play Toronto at the end of a game recently. And, uh, um, gosh, what, for the Wizards? Yeah, the Wizards had some guy out there, and we were just like, who is this man? Um, and he was, like, closing the game for them. Hmm. Exactly, right? <laughs> like, like this week, Scotty Brooks had a guy out there closing a game who we've never heard of. I don't remember what we're talking about happening. Are you sure I was there? Yes. Okay. Positive. This speaks to your point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, let's move on from the series. We've got okay. eight to hit. I, Great. I'm picking Toronto to go through. If I had to bet on I'd bet Washington, but with their shaky chemistry and with Scotty Brooks' shakiness, I don't know if I want to be on record saying I think this is a nice upset pick. All that being said, if they split games in Toronto and they come back to Washington, that's a really tough spot for Toronto to be in, and we'll see what happens. Um, I've got Toronto in five, for the record. Uh, I would say Toronto drops game one, they win games two and four, and then they close out in six. Okay. I've got... Uh, Alright, next series. Cleveland minus 700 versus Indiana plus 450. Um, I think it's the Cavs in a landslide in this series. I, I really like what Indiana has done. I think it's... They really overachieved this year. I I think a lot of their success was based on being super decisive and hitting a lot of mid-range shots. Um, and Oladipo's just... When you're that good at everything in basketball, and he really hasn't played with a weakness in his game, it matters a ton. Um, but can, I, can I give you a quick shout-out for something that you uh, something that you called a long time ago? And what? I don't know if you even remember this. I was in college. You, you were watching a lot of Oladipo when he was in Indiana, and oh, yeah, I had them to win the t- the tournament one year. Well, no, no. So what was particularly impressive about you is before Oladipo was a scouted commodity, you were saying, "I hope the Bulls get him in the late twenties. Oh yeah, and, and like, and at that time, Oladipo was like, like it was like early in the season, he was maybe around like thirty in the in the recruit rankings, and you're like, "This guy's the truth. I, I would yeah. love for us to get him." And you look so fucking smart that you <laughs> called it when he was like a fucking. Sophomore he, or freshman yeah. or whatever he was. No, I I called it the very beginning of his last year at Indiana. I was yeah. like, I really want this guy. I watched him play like once. I was like, I really want the Bulls to draft him. And he just he played that well the whole year. And yeah, and he climbed up the draft. He went board, second, obviously. Yeah, behind the immoral Anthony Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I just thought no, you, you can always cut me off to compliment me. <laughs> uh, anyway, no one can cover LeBron. I think the series is four or five games. Um, I, yeah, LeBron's not going down to this Pacers team. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Turner, I like Sabonis, um, I think that they, they could give Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, who is now, uh, the subject of, of his own mini-scandal, um, I think, I think that the Indiana big men could, could give Cleveland some issues, but at the end of the day... Um, one team has LeBron and the other team does not. Yeah, I I didn't see the the odds for this, but if you wanted to bet a sweep, if that's kind of your cup of tea, this would be my sweet bet. Um, I just even when LeBron's oh, got, playing really good teams, I got Golden State San Antonio for the sweet bet. Even when LeBron's playing one of these really good teams, he's been able to hit a level this year where he just destroys people offensively. Um, like that that Philly Cleveland game, which was one of the best games of the year. Um, Philly runs up a thirty point lead. LeBron just decided they were coming back in that game, and it didn't matter. It could have been Durant, Simmons, whoever on the other team. He was coming back, and basically, if he's gonna, he hits that level in almost every playoff game. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I just I don't think Indiana has anything they can do about it. These games might be close. Cleveland might go down ten. I don't see him losing any game against the Pacers. I think that I think that Indy can win one at home. 
And um, if LeBron lets them, I mean, I think that there will be one game where Kevin Love no shows, and it's literally LeBron by himself. So I do want to make one point about kind of how we're treating stats right now. I've, I've heard a lot of people say this is LeBron's best offensive season. Um, I think he's more polished. I I just feel like. He's obviously going to put up better numbers if you play him in these all-offense lineups where the goal is to outscore more than you let up. Like, yeah, if you play LeBron with Kevin Love and three shooters, he's going to put up better numbers than if you play him with a defensive center and, you know, guards that actually play defense. Like, you look at him on the Heat, he's playing with Wade, Bosh, who are both really nice offensive pieces, but, you know, guys who bring it defensively are did. He's playing with Wade, Bosch, you know, Shane Battier, and Mario Chalmers. Like, it's going to be harder to put up gaudy offensive numbers when you're sharing the ball and playing defense mm-hmm. than when you're literally the second-to-worst defense in the league and you run with Kevin Love at center. Yeah. Um, and the same can be said about, you know, the Rockets do that to some extent when they go tiny with Tucker, Ariza, and Bob Mute, you know, as the three other guys. That's Harden and Paul. Um, the same could be said about, I mean, you can't really say that about the Warriors in their prime because they were still just such an excellent defensive team with green and center. But anyway, that's my little spiel. Um, I think we're in agreement on this series. You think Indiana can get a game. I don't. Cleveland's gone through. Yeah. Um, next one, Philadelphia versus Miami. Uh, Philly minus 500, Miami plus 350. I just I want to take a second to appreciate the fact that the Sixers are the three seed in the <laughs> East. Um, as you all know, if you listen to the podcasts, I was very negative on them. I think my parting shot in the preview pod was that I was going to rub their 35 and 40 whatever season in Nick and Danny's faces. It took about 20 games for me to decide that was ridiculous. <laughs> and then about 25 games ago, I tried to talk Nick into the Sixers winning the East. Um, that was before Kyrie went down. It was before Kyrie went down. It was when I felt that Boston didn't have enough scoring, Cleveland was incredibly flawed, and the Raptors were the Raptors. And I think what's what's been apparent with this team, I mean, the veterans are really handling their shit. I felt like there was no way the Sixers would be good this year unless both Embiid and Simmons were going to be all-time players, and they're both going to be all-time players. Um, Simmons in particular... I think both deserve to get on an All-NBA team. Um, Simmons is just incredible. And, you know, what he's done with Embiid out of the lineup, taking the three seed, it's just, it's something that lends itself to hyperbole. Like, even young LeBron, and he was playing on a way more dysfunctional team, but young LeBron in his rookie season did not get the Cavs to the playoffs. They won 25 games. This This is what a Hall of Fame rookie year looks like. What Ben Simmons is doing. Absolutely. Um, I can't say enough about him. And he can't even shoot at all yet. Not even a little. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we'll see how much of a problem that is. This series is interesting to me because as much as I love the Sixers, if there's a coach that can really make it hard for a rookie who can't shoot in the playoffs, it's Spo out east. Um, they have a ton of weird pieces to throw at them. They're going to be playing these oddball lineups. They're going to be doing weird shit with Simmons, like maybe sticking, maybe they'll stick like a 
they're like Goron Dragic on him. There's there's gonna be a lot of weird shit that happens. Um, I think it's gonna be a fascinating series tactically to watch. Everything is fascinating when your point guard is six ten and can cover one through four. Yeah. Um, but I think this is gonna be a really interesting series. Um, that being said, I'll probably go with Philly if I think Embiid's gonna play, and I do. He looks doubtful for game one. I'd be shocked if he didn't come in by game two or game three. I also, sorry to talk for two minutes straight. I also have, as much as I love Spo, I think the teams that lack the top line talent don't tend to translate that well to the playoffs. I know Miami has a ton of different looks they can throw and they'll make it weird, but who am I counting on on Miami game to game? I mean, it's probably Whiteside, Drogic, James Johnson. Yeah, I'd like. There's just, I, when the game slows down and it becomes a lot more about who's better, mano a mano, which is what happens in the playoffs. It's more physical and slower. It's a different brand of basketball. It it favors guys who can do shit that's crazy one-on-one. And that really caters to Simmons and Embiid. Um, like, I feel like the Sixers can run exactly what they've been running in the playoffs. The Heat, as I've said with the, the Warriors going off-ball, with a lot of off-ball action, it's tough for that to translate to the playoffs because you can just hold off-ball. Yeah, I mean, that's undoubtedly true. I, I mean... This is this is your classic like this 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 team is is Spurs East for sure like the Heat yeah just like the weirdest pieces you could imagine that are fit together by a great coach and I think this will be baptism by fire for the for the Sixers you know um, I think if they make it to the second round they'll cook you know whoever it is whether it's the Celtics or the Bucks yeah um, but um, this this round. I think is going to be a real test for them because like, I mean, like you said, Embiid, Simmons, Fultz, uh, Fultz looks nice right yeah, now. Yeah. Fultz is looking nice. Fultz honestly to me is actually kind of like a mini Simmons. He's like, he's doing a similar thing of like not shooting, but just creating a lot off the drive and being so fast and making good passes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's clear, even if Fultz can never shoot beyond 16 feet, he's going to have a 12-year NBA career. Absolutely. Um, he's just, he's that quick, he's that long, he's that smart. Um, and he'll, you know, hopefully get to a point where he can hit a wide-open corner three. Yeah. The big question going forward for them is, if neither Simmons nor Fultz can shoot, that's generally going to be a problem. Even yeah. Embiid can shoot a little bit from deep. Um, so we'll see if they can even play together. In the playoffs, they have been. Fultz has been Simmons' backup, and it's been awesome because they have a similar skill set. Really good guy holding the ball all the game. Um, but you know, we'll see if they can play together. Ideally, and especially going forward, you're going to need Fultz and Simmons to play together. Yes, um, one of those two needs to learn how to shoot, and I hope it's Simmons because that would that would make him like a, a perennial MVP candidate kind of player. He he could win. MVP without learning how to shoot. He's that good. True. He I looks mean, like LeBron like won MVP Johnson. before he learned how to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, should we my my your thoughts on the series? I mean, I I love what the Heat does. And honestly, it, it's weird to say this, but I, I would have I, I felt like I could see them going ahead if they still had Dion Waiters. <laughs> You know, like, but honestly, honestly, like they need, they, they're just a little short on the scoring. Um, 
And they just, yeah, I just don't feel like they have the pieces. I think Spoh's a magician. And my usual worry with teams that have awesome coaching is, like, will, do they have another level to get to? Like, like with Stevens in the playoffs, I all, like, those years that Boston made it with no one good, mm-hmm. I would always feel like he had emptied the bag of tricks just getting them there. Like, how much farther can you take Evan Turner in the playoffs? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so that might be my worry with the Heat. But we'll see. Um, some shaky stuff with Whiteside chemistry-wise going on. I also think Bam Adebayo might be a better player than Whiteside, which is awkward. Oh, I think he, I think he will be for sure um, down the road. Which is awkward. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, anyway, I, I see Philly winning just because what's, even if Embiid doesn't play, what Simmons has done with this cast of shooters and is just really impressive. And, you know, Philly in spite of having awesome young talent, are not a young team, you know? They yeah. roll out... Covington's like a fifth, sixth-year guy. Reddick's a, a veteran. Bellinelli's a veteran. They've got Amir Johnson playing six minutes a game and being an awesome veteran. Um, Saric is young, but he's a fucking monster. Saric is really impressive. I love Saric. It would have been so easy for him to get lost in the shuffle. And he's... Yeah. It's a sign that he's a really good player, that he's made himself invaluable on this team. Yeah. I, That's I, so difficult to do. Like, if, if like, Fultz and Simmons could learn how to shoot, like, if, the, if this summer, if those two both really got, got the shooting on lockdown and they could roll Embiid, um, Saric, Covington, Fultz, and Simmons all together... That's a massive lineup. That's a fantastic fucking lineup. Yeah. That's, a, that's an Eastern Conference Finals kind of lineup. And especially, like, they're a LeBron destination... I do still think you yeah. want, this is getting off topic, but I think if you're the Sixers, even if Redick leaves, and they really only got him because they offered him $20 million, but he might stay because they look that good. Yeah. Even if you move on from Redick, you need someone who's that good of a shooter on this team. Yes. If you're going to play super size like they do with guys, like Saric is going to be like a league average at best three-point shooter. Embiid is a blow average three-point shooter for the league. Um, from the center position, though. It's nice, but when you shoot 31 or whatever from three, like, people are just going to stop covering you out there. I feel like he's better. But here, keep going. Yeah, check it out. I think he's below 34. Um, you know, Covington, after his blazing start, cooled off a bit. I think he'll end up being high 30s, low 40s. I'd love someone also in the 40s if I'm going to be working around Embiid, who should be in the paint. You're right, Simmons, he's exactly 31. Yeah, so I, I want... I think Redick is someone like Kyle Korver. Um, obviously, Curry is the gold standard of this, where he's such a good shooter that it takes not only his man way out of the play, but actions involving him really fuck up the defense, spacing-wise. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I like Philly to roll. I think there's a chance that Ben Simmons gets some really weird, like Mavericks versus Heat in the finals against LeBron, defensive tactics against him that freak him out. Or he doesn't know how to solve. Uh, but I'd still bet on Simmons figuring it out. He's just been that polished and that poised that even as a second-year guy, I am still I still think he'll do that. Absolutely. I think that my, my feeling about this series is that Miami will have one night where they execute perfectly. Wayne Ellington is hitting. Tyler Johnson is hitting, as surprising as that sounds. And, um, and they're the better team one night. I think that they'll probably steal a game just because... And it might even be game one because I don't know if Embiid will play. 
where just like they get the breaks and you know there's some rookie moments on the other side. Yeah. But I I do see Philly winning this. Um, I'm gonna say Philly in six. Yeah. I. There might be some funky hack of Simmons. They might. You know, there's gonna be some weird shit that goes on from Spo. I'm excited yeah. to watch what happens. He's gonna he's gonna do some shit. But especially once Embiid comes back, I I don't think this is gonna be a series. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Last Eastern series, Boston Milwaukee. It's the closest, but it's the one I least want to watch. Boston minus <laughs> one fifty five, Milwaukee plus one twenty five to take it. I think Boston. I would bet on Boston in this series. I think Boston's gonna win it by a lot. There's something really, really bad with this Milwaukee team um, that Giannis can't overcome. I don't think they've looked right with Parker in there ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Parker is a hard guy to play with because he stops the ball a lot and doesn't score crazy efficiently and plays no defense. He's your very, very poor man's Carmelo Anthony. All the all the things we don't like about Melo in sort of like a more out of shape, less good scorer. Yeah. And it's not totally his fault. He's blown two ACLs in three years. That's really tough. Or four years, whatever it's been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just something really off, and that team is so poorly coached. And you look at how Boston has played all year. Um, Giannis is a monster, but I, I just don't, I don't see a way that Stevens can't hold it down. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say about the Celtics is before, like before Kyrie went down, I thought that with a healthy Kyrie, they could still win the East, and I, I felt good having money on that. Without Kyrie, obviously, I feel like they can't. But um, yeah, they're gonna need a lot out of Rozier, who I I love Rozier. I think he's awesome. I'm really excited for him to be the lead guard on a really good team. I think these are gonna be games like 95-85. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a, a rock fight. But I I see um, I see the Celtics eking it out. Yeah, I do too. Uh, the one thing I think that Milwaukee's got going for them, if if you're a Bucks fan, is I think Brogdon will be ready to go it's just been and he's he's a solid player he's and it's, a fine starter it's such a mystery to me how how a team that has well Bledsoe I will say I don't I don't think is actually a great player I, I think he's I think he's good I don't think he's great he's not a guy that's talented but hard to play with yeah it's it, it is just kind of astonishing to me that a team and I mean they haven't had Bledsoe and Brogdon on the same court at the same time so next year will be a really interesting experiment on paper, if you have Bledsoe, Brogdon, Giannis, and then you can... And I mean, Chris Middleton at small forward. Yeah. Like, they should be a much, much, much better team than they are. If the Celtics and the Bucks traded coaches tomorrow, I'd pick the Bucks in six. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. But they're not going to trade coaches tomorrow, so I'm going <laughs> to pick the Celtics in five or six. Yeah. It's I, that, Milwaukee has a ton of advantages they haven't figured out how to utilize yet. Kid was... As, I thought he was a really good player development coach. Yeah. Really, really, really shitty game tactician. And then Joe Prunty, their interim guy, is just awful. I, I really don't know what he's been doing. It's tough to really establish a lot in season, but he's been terrible. So, I, you know, I pick Boston. I think if Miami beats Philly and Boston beats Milwaukee, I think Boston is a real shot against Miami, but... I think Philly rolls Miami and will roll the winner of Boston-Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's that's my feeling for sure, is that if if Philly can survive the baptism by fire, they'll yeah. cruise in that second. So who would you... So let's just kind of... Let's not talk about it too much, but let's walk through the rest of the Eastern Conference. 
future rounds. So I have Toronto, Cleveland, Boston, and Philly going through. So no upsets for me there. Yep. Um, I would pick Cleveland over Toronto. I would pick Philly over Boston. And I would pick Cleveland over Philly, even though I think Philly's the better value bet. Who do you have coming out of the East? So I have Philly coming out of the East because I think that the Toronto-Cleveland series is a toss-up for me. Um, yeah. And I feel like this is a good thing for us to talk about. Um, but I do feel like, and this was, this was just sort of me looking at all of the probabilities, is that I feel like for, for either Cleveland or Toronto to go through... Um, it's one of those. It's one of those just playing the odds things. Like I feel like Philly, I I don't know they're going to be in in the Eastern Conference Championship, but they'll be. I I feel like they have the best shot to be there purely odds wise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, if I'm if I'm placing a bet on someone to come out of the East, it's the three that are interesting are Philly plus three seventy five, Toronto plus one eighty, Cavs minus one ten. I'm betting Philly. I'd still yeah. pick the Cavs. Well, so I, I think that Cavs and Toronto are a toss-up. Um, do you want to get into this one? Yeah, let's talk Cavs-Toronto, because that's really in all likelihood going to be a second-round series. Yeah. And just, again, really puzzling and by the, by the Cavs, really awesome by the Sixers, that once the Kyrie news broke, and it was clear that getting the three-seed instead of the four-seed meant walking to the NBA Finals versus playing Toronto to get there. It's amazing to me that the Cavs still didn't handle their business and keep the three seed. Mm -hmm. Philly won, I think, 16 straight games to close the season. Unreal. To snag yeah. that spot by like a game or two. And the Cavs really phoned in a couple of games. Yeah. Um, I um, So let's talk Cavs-Toronto. I watched the, the Cleveland-Toronto game where Cleveland went up. It was in Cleveland. And Toronto came out and dropped like 75 points or some insane amount in the first half. And Cleveland was down like 14. And Cleveland closed in the second half and won, barely. It was like 132-129. It was the game LeBron had 35-17 assists and mm -hmm. no turnovers. And what was clear to me after watching that game was that the Raptors, A, have no answer for LeBron. Yeah. And no, not no. even like an okay answer. Like someone like... You know, I mean, Durant's a nice answer. Even someone like P.J. Tucker, like, that's at least, that'll make LeBron work. That'll be uncomfortable. Someone like Mbamute, Mute, that'll make him work. The Raptors have a couple of rookies who fit that profile but are way too young to cover him, and that's with no chance of staying in front of him. Yeah. No, he's, he's kind of steamroll. So he'll, he can go to a level and just decide to take over the game and the Raptors really against it. There's also, like, there's a real identity crisis that happens when LeBron is humming where you're, like, we don't want to score. We need to score. What are we going to do? Mm -hmm. And for the Raptors, that's a DeMar DeRozan mid-range jumper or someone getting something through offensive action. That doesn't translate well to the playoffs. But, I mean, like, like you've said many times before, though, like Cleveland is the worst defensive team. They're, the, they're Like them and the Kings are like bottom two. Yeah, but we can just for all intents and purposes say they're terrible. Like They're off, awful. And, I mean, uh, th this the point The Bulls is were a better defense this year than them. I mean, like, this This point has been made in other podcasts a lot, but, like, LeBron is not doing his defensive thing as much this year. I think that if he has to step his game up on defense, um, that that does not bode well for Cleveland. 
I think, like, what this really boils down to is if you feel like LeBron can drop that 35-17 zero turnovers every time. And it's like, I, I think, well, can he do it four times, I guess is the question. Yeah. And my feeling is, and this is why I think it's a toss-up, is I think that if, like, Le- LeBron has pride and, and he's not going to go down without a fight, but, like, if Toronto takes the first two, or, like, um, if they split one and one, but then, you know, take two in Cleveland or something, like, if this thing, if, if the momentum of the series goes against him, I feel like LeBron will be done. And, uh... You think there's a chance he does a, put a stamp on it and just starts not shooting and is, like, waiting to start his free agency? Well, I think he, I think he just might... I just don't know if he'll, if he'll have... And this is something we talked about at the beginning of the season. I don't know if he'll have the, especially knowing who's waiting for him in the finals, I don't know if he'll have the same, like, just inner fucking power to, like, will himself to that level. Um, because he, he is, a, like, he is a robot. He does it every time. We, we take it for granted. But, like, I do believe that, like, the, the drain on him must be substantial and, like, like, I just don't know how he could not be looking around the landscape of the league. And, you know, if, if they're, like, if it's taking 1,000% of LeBron to, to you know, to, to squeak by the Raptors in round two, I don't know if, I don't know if that's, if he's going to be able to summon that. And, and so, like, I just think that the story of this series, aside from LeBron, which is a big aside, is, like, who else is Cleveland putting on the floor? Like, Kevin Love is good. But, I mean, you're talking about Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, who, yeah. outside of looking really good against Boston for one night, are not, have not done much. No. Rodney Hood and George Hill are, are, like, perpetually nicked up. I think Rodney Hood had a DNP CD recently, which is, like, what the fuck? He, he's a guy who, like, has a ton of talent, but will just... Like, it seems like on every team he's on, he under-delivers, and teams get frustrated with him. Yeah. And then, and then it's sort of like, you've got... Kyle Korver and Jr. and and I actually am a Jr. apologist for sure, but um, I just I just think that's a lot of a lot of trash that's being put on the court. And like Toronto, every single guy that they're going to put on the court, you know, is a is a quality and and quality might be a, a not super descriptive word is a player who should be playing the minutes that they're playing, if not more, on an NBA court. So, like, that's, yeah. that's an advantage that I think is getting under-reported under and under-talked about. And, like, there is also this, like, narrative thing that happens. Everybody's kind of written off Toronto because they, they haven't closed out the season hot. You know, like, I think that everyone's bored by Toronto and, and have just stopped talking about it. They were the best team in the East all season. And, like, yes, they were not super hot down the stretch, but also they'd clinched the first seed by a mile. They we've, had nothing we've to play We've watched for. this play before. So. We've, we've seen this three the last three years. I don't trust the Raptors in the playoff series. 100%. I don't trust them to beat the Wizards. Well, I, I made the mistake of talking a lot of shit about Toronto um, at the beginning of this season, and I ended up watching them a lot. And what I came away with is that everybody on on the court serves a purpose. They play a good team 
good team basketball. They're similar to the, you know... They're so boring. I don't even want to talk about them anymore. Okay. I mean, they're similar to the to the to that really good, like, Hawks team that had Teague, Korver, um, Carroll, Millsap, and Horford. Like, that's the vibe that this Toronto team gives me. That, team, um, that Hawks team was so much better. I, here's here's all I want to say, and then I want to leave okay. the Raptors because they've been talked about too much by everyone. Okay. I don't trust them in the playoffs. I think the fact that they're a 59-win team and not a 53-win team is because of their bench, which is going to have a smaller impact in the playoffs. The Cavs are not guaranteed at all to beat them in a series, and that's because the Cavs have one guy they know is going to close games, LeBron. Even Kevin Love, there's a chance they decide they want to go with Nance at center and LeBron <laughs> at the four instead of him. I don't know what I'm getting from Smith, George Hill. Kyle Korver's old, but he can shoot. Um, Jeff Green is incredibly important for them, and he's also been quit on by about six franchises already, so that's hilarious. Um, you know, Clarkson might close. He might be terrible. It, it, they have one guy you can count on, and yeah, it's LeBron, and that's why I'm picking them over the Raptors, but this is some... That year the Cavs went to the finals, I think it was 07. I remember reading off their starting lineup. This is some 07 Cavs shit. George Hill was playing on the Kings yeah. this season. Jeff Green was quit on by every franchise. Corver is 39. Calderon, we didn't even talk about it, is like 40. Um, Nance and Clarkson weren't starting for a team that did not make the playoffs in the West. He has a terrible supporting cast. Terrible. All that being said, I really respect LeBron's mental toughness. I watched him win a game against the Wizards um, where like 18 points coming back in in the fourth quarter and they won the game because he just decided they were winning the game and was just winging the ball to shooters. And, you know, it when he's playing like that and he's one of the three best players to ever play or whatever you want to say, the best player of the last 20 years, he's going to beat a really flawed Raptors team. And I think he'll play like that. And what really struck me about that game was his emotional toughness. I think that's one of the things he's gotten way, way, way better at in his career. I think the days of LeBron melting down in a playoff series are over. I think even last year when it was clear they were losing the finals, that game five, he was still balling. I, I really would be shocked if he put a stamp on a series. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's switch over to the Western Conference. Uh, who's, your, um, who's your pick to come out of the East? Not considering odds? The Sixers. Okay, I got the Cavs. All right, so the first Western Conference series, Houston minus 4,000 against Minnesota plus 1,600, um, which means almost no one gives Minnesota a shot. I'm taking Houston. Um, if I had to bet, I'd throw it on Minnesota just because it's more fun. And also, if you bet, like, $100 on Houston, you're making, like, Three dollars. You're making no money. So, I bet on Minnesota. Um, I don't have a ton to say about the series, except that Minnesota's a bad defensive team, and with bad defensive players, and Houston will just obliterate them in pick and roll on every possession. Yeah, I would say that if Jimmy <clears throat> was one thousand percent healthy and was just like, I'm going to be in James Harden's face every possession of every game. And then, like, maybe I could hold my breath for a, you know, coming out party for Cat. But 
Jimmy's not healthy, and I think I'd be holding my breath until next year for a coming out party for Cat in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that this one's going to be Rockets in either four or five. I think that there's a there's a chance Minnesota can can get hot at home one time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've told you how many times I'm uh, I'm fucking out on Andrew Wiggins, and yeah, he's like a bad basketball player at this point. Yeah, and it's like. I just I just worry that Jimmy not being at full health. Like what made them so good is that Jimmy could take over late in games and really just like score ten in the fourth, play vicious defense, and just be on everybody's ass. And like I don't think that Jimmy at, at seventy five can can really do that. So there is I I agree with you. There is a pathway for Minnesota to win the series. It's it's non zero. Um. And one of the things that people don't talk about enough with the Rockets this year is how hard they've played. This is a team that really competes, really cares, night in, night out. And I know Harden doesn't look like a guy that competes that hard. He does, in my opinion. But no one can argue that Chris Paul, Ariza, Tucker, Mute, who, by the way, both those signings were critical, and Mute is not going to play. Capella, you know, go down the line. Everyone on that team competes hard. If they come out soft... And Minnesota can just destroy them on the boards. And they go to the free throw line all the time, which Minnesota should be good at both of those. And they slow the game down. And Harden's not getting any foul calls. There's a chance this is a series. I, I think the I think the Timberwolves would have to win the rebounding edge by about 30 in every game. And just go... That's not unfathomable, actually. Because they're not going to be able to go small and hang with the Rockets. they got to go big. Hope they can just wait out some bad shooting, and get every rebound. Yeah. Um, that's the way I'd play it if I'm them. But, I, you know, Houston's going to roll. Yeah. Um, let's, let's save time and bop on to Golden State-San Antonio. San Antonio plus 750, Golden State's minus whatever, many thousand. You go first. Okay. I am so happy <clears throat> that I get to be on the everybody's asleep on Golden State corner. Like, yes, they have been in hibernation mode. Yes, having an on-off switch is not a great feature for a team. Yes, um, Steph Curry won't be back till round two. And yes, Draymond has had a bad season. Oh, and one more yes, um, they, they're thinner than they have been in years past. Yes. Those are all very, very real things. However, even with Steph Curry on the shelf... The Warriors still have the three best players in this series, and it's not even close. I think that because they all play together, somehow we kind of forget about how good individually um, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson are. Especially Clay. People are really, really, really asleep on Clay. Like, I was listening to your, your competitor, Bill Simmons, uh, doing his. <laughs> I love when you refer to him as my competitor. Well, he is. <laughs> And he, he can he can go fuck himself for that. I have I have a hundred subscribers, maybe, and I think you probably have thirty Twitter followers. You're 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 about one point nine seven million Twitter followers off of him. No, nope, I did I did. There was there was more zeros there. Whatever. Um, go on. He was he was saying like oh, if uh, you know if the Warriors lose, then then people are going to be looking to trade Clay Thompson. Uh, and try and sign Paul George. And it's like, 
this is so fucking asinine. Like, people who undervalue Clay just clearly don't watch the they games. They also are never going to trade Clay. Yeah. So, so Clay is the perfect complement to any superstar. You don't get another superstar to play next to, to Steph or Durant. Clay is perfect because he doesn't, he, he doesn't suck up the ball. He just shoots and can score 60 in literally any game. Because yeah. he's that good at this shooting. This is a critical point about super teams. You need people on them who are valuable off the ball. You can't have all three of your superstars holding the ball at the same time. And he fucking defends. Hard. Yeah. So, let's just, let's just say it like this. I think that even without Steph Curry, this team could be competing for a title. Now, I think they would need another bench guy to kind of round that off. But the fact that they have Steph Curry, too is ridiculous. This team, when they're clicking, and I think that they will be clicking, is just better than everybody else in the league because they have all the weapons and they perfectly complement each other. So, like, like they're, they've been totally asleep at the wheel all season and they still got the second seed in the West. Like, I just, I just think that this team... People have forgot because because we haven't seen it much this season, um, but like when the when the lights are bright and they're, you know, and and the, and they're really here to play. This this is the best team we've had um, since that Heat team that ripped off twenty seven straight wins. Uh, they're probably better than that team. Like they're yeah, th- this could, is an all time great team. Yeah, you could make a case for the best team since the Kobe Shaq Lakers. That would probably be my argument. And yeah. then even between those two teams. You know, it's toss-up. I think I think a couple things. And let me caveat my Golden State take by saying that they're my pick to win the title this year. They are two different teams. One with Steph Curry, one without. Durant is a better basketball player. Steph Curry is more important to their team. They went 40-10 and 10 with Steph this year. That's a 66-65 win pace. They went 18-14 and 14 without him. That's a 46 win pace. And yeah, they were locked in the two seed and dogging some games at the end. And yeah, they were missing, you know, Durant for a couple of those games. But it's it's no question to me who their most important player is. It's Steph. And ever since they've been a juggernaut, Curry's the guy who has the biggest on-off split for them. When he's on the court, they are a different team. And what's clear to me watching them play when they don't have Steph is it exposes everyone else's flaws. Something about Curry's, not something, Curry's shooting and his otherworldly playmaking and the way it totally fucks over defenses trying to cover him, lets everyone else be themselves. Pull him out, and it looks really bad that Draymond can't shoot. It looks really bad that Clay can't dribble. And if you look at this team without Curry, Clay's a great shooter, Durant's a great shooter, all time. No one else on the team is a good player that can also shoot. And a lot of guys in the team suck. I mean, you go beyond Clay and Durant, you've got Draymond, who is an offensive liability. You've got, you know, they'll start Quinn Cook, who, bless his heart, was just in the D-League. They'll play... He's good, though. He's, he's, he's fine. He's not good. He's fine. He's passable. He's going to be a, a, a league-average backup point guard. Okay. That's not something to write home about. <laughs> they start either Petrulli or JaVale McGee, who are probably the worst starting centers in the league. David West is nice, but he'll only play about 12 minutes a game. Iguodal and Livingston, who were once 
who I thought both of them were like NBA starter quality players, this year have been dreadful. Dreadful. Um, maybe Iggy saving it for the playoffs. Maybe Livingston is, but you can't offer no shooting whatsoever and then mediocre to bad defense, which is what they did during the regular season. Um, so you go down this roster, and it's really flawed. And yes, Durant is, in my opinion, the second best player in the world. I would pick him second if we were doing like a pickup game, like tomorrow, and it was you know life or death. But he really sometimes struggles to like exert his will on a game, and you know, I just look at the Spurs matchup and plus seven fifty. I'm trying to talk Nick into betting game one for the Spurs because the Spurs are going to come out hot and play really hard. And I think without Steph, the way for Golden State to be a competitor is to be the best defense in the league. And I'm not convinced they care enough to do that. I mean, they've been depressingly apathetic the whole year. And it's crossed a threshold for me where I don't think they're just coasting. I think they've lost an edge. And it's clear to me that even though Steph's quiet and he's playful and He's enough of a mature person that Kirk can go on podcasts and say Durant's the best player on the team. Steph is their leader. Steph is the guy it all flows through. And without him, I think they're in danger in the series. Um, I would never pick the Spurs to go ahead, A, because they're really flawed and just worse and might score 70 points against an engaged Golden State defense, and B, because I think if the series is in question, Curry would play. But... I think game one, I could see the Spurs winning. I think this is going to be a tighter series than Golden State wants it to be. I just, I just think that they've, they've heard this from everybody. Like, every sports talk show is saying, like, you know, we've heard about an on-off switch, but this is ridiculous. Like, they don't have their mental toughness. Draymond sucks. Like, like these guys, I think, are going to come out of the gate fucking flying. Especially... Maybe. Especially Durant, because you know he listens to all this shit and takes it super personal. So he's, like, dude, he's kind of a baby. I know he's a colossal baby. I'm just saying, like, like if you're if you're picking the Spurs to win, you're picking a a crazy Lamarcus Aldridge game, which isn't out of the question. But you know, you're hoping that like Patty Mills and Kyle Anderson and um, Rudy Gay, like, although I, I will say. Um, DeJounte has been really great. DeJounte, yeah. DeJounte. So, Uh, you know, the Spurs suck. Like, they're like a bad team. I just, I'm that depressed about Golden State without Curry that I think, I think games where Curry does not play, unless Golden State's bringing a top five defense, if they're bringing it defensively, San Antonio's going to score 70 points a game and they'll win easily. I'm not sure they're going to bring it. I, I don't have a ton of faith in Golden State to play a hard night tonight. But let's, let's also remember, like, I think that Kerr, so every so in addition to people who who uh the basketball watching uh bourgeoisie have forgotten about uh Steve Kerr like from from being the consensus best coach in the league to sort of like oh yeah you know we're really just going to talk about Brad Stevens deservably so and you know Spo and Pop cuz they're they're making the most out of the least but like Kerr is just as good as those guys and his approach the whole season, and he hasn't been coy about it, is like, yes, we need to lean into the fact that this is really hard and conserve our energy and conserve our strength. And what this arg- what this belief that sort of like they've lost their edge says is that like they've they've done that to the point where they you know where they just can't 
snap back into that mode. And the, and the whole other side of that coin is that, yeah, they've been flying at half speed for the whole season so that they can really fucking bring it. I think, I think the, the Warrior Stars are getting unfair flack for not totally bringing it. Yeah, they're not balling out, balling out, but they've, look at their stats, look at their play. They've been decent. What I think is the biggest issue in this team is that they're trying to play team basketball with people who are bad. I mean, th- like, the way Livingston Iguodala played during the regular season was bad. Quinn Cook is not someone I want to give minutes to in a playoff game. Nick Young, who was somehow the only shooter beyond Clay and Durant on the team, and, and Quinn Cook, who was a D-leader, is so bad at every other part of basketball that it frightens me he might be out there in crunch time. Um, you just go through the lineup. It's just bad. It's full of bad players. And then they'll, you know, Kerr loves to roll out Kavon Looney for 10 minutes or, you know, I don't even know the name of that other center who plays a decent amount. And they play a lot of bad players. (laughs) Like, bad people go on the floor all the time for them. And it's part of the strength in numbers ethos. I get that. But at a certain point, you know, you can only carry bad players so far. And Pop is going to know how better than anyone to push the buttons against people who are flawed. Um, Anyway, I think we've talked enough about this series. I, my favorite value pick is San Antonio plus 750, um, especially because if Curry's, you know, 60% and he comes back, how much does that even help against someone like DeJounte Murray who's just flying around? Um, but obviously, I mean, Golden State's my pick to win the title. I think they're going to roll. Yeah, I, I, I mean, for like, of course there's a value in San Antonio, but I think it's like lighting money on fire. I think they drop, I think Golden State drops game one and they end up winning in six. I, I think that there's a this would be my best pick for a sweep if I was picking a sweep, but I would um I would say probably it's gonna be five. Okay. Um let's go on to to Portland, New Orleans. And I think these last two series are gonna be really interesting toss up series. It'll be fun to talk about. Portland right now minus two twenty, New Orleans plus one seventy. Portland has the home court. Um, but again, for this series and Utah OKC, these teams are separated by a game in the standings. So these are just really tight series. Um, if you remember back to the last pod we did, we did like a Western Conference playoff ladder, basically. And I had Portland like eighth. Um, and this was when they were white hot. And I just felt like A, they were pulling all the stops for the season, and B, you know. I didn't totally trust their defense to hold up in the playoffs. Um, And I think this is a really bad matchup for them um, because, you know, Nurkic is good, but Davis is going to eat his lunch. And I feel like New Orleans have a lot of guys, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, that are going to play way better in the playoffs. I'm, you know, Rondo is someone who... You know, you if you remember back to his prime when he was like kind of those last legs of the Pierce Allen Garnett Celtics, um, Rondo was their best player, and he, without being able to shoot, would just put up like 30, 15, 15s in playoff games. Like, would just be an animal. Um, and you know, he doesn't play any defense whatsoever in the regular season. If the defense comes, it's a bonus. If it doesn't, you know, he might still just really wreak havoc and when the Bulls took two games in Boston off the Celtics last year he was the biggest reason why um 
and he, you know, he broke his hand and the series was over. I, uh, I, I don't know. I'm really afraid of playoff Rondo if I'm the, the Trailblazers. And, you know, I just think it's going to be a toss-up series. Dame Lillard's been white hot. But I just think Davis, night to night, is going to be the best player on the floor. And if you've got the best player on the floor and you've got other people who, you're, who I'm scared of, you know, I like, I like New Orleans here. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that I would have picked uh, the Trailblazers to beat any other team in the Western Conference Finals, obviously except for Houston and Golden State, except for this Pelicans team. Um, and when we did that ladder pod, like, I didn't really know exactly how New Orleans would shape up. Like, they were playing well. They had just gotten Miritich. Um, I liked the team better without Boogie. I'd, I'd said that, and, and I still feel that way, that, like, the way to play with Anthony Davis is to run, toss lobs, clear the lane. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think you touched on a lot of the reasons why I'm picking New Orleans in this thing, too, but... What I would say is that Anthony Davis is a transcendent superstar who has yet to have his real signature moment in the playoffs. And, you know, he played really well against a Golden State team that went on to win the championship the last time he was in the playoffs. And this Trailblazers team is not Golden State. So, like, I just think Davis is going to be a fucking machine. And, like... I'm, this is probably the series that I'm the most excited for because I think I think that Big Game Dame is going to come out and drop 40 at least once, probably twice. And it's going to be entertaining as fuck, but I, I just think at the end of the day, I, I would totally ride with the brow here. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think Stotts is a great coach. I, I have no idea how Portland was as good on defense as they were, but, you know, in the playoffs, one-on-one play is so important. No one's sticking Davis. And Rondo is going to race down the court, find open guys. And, you know, I just, I don't know, I guess I have a ton of faith in the Portland players to win a playoff series. Um, I think they're well-built for the playoffs in that, you know, they're top-heavy. Like, they can ride Davis 42 minutes a night. The Pelicans. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I meant the Pelicans, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I think we're in agreement here. That I mean, I'm picking New Orleans to go through. I would still pick them if it was even odds. That being said... I love Dame Lillard. I, you know, last shot of a game, and I think this game will come down to last possessions. Or games in the series will come down to last possessions. He's just a world-class guy to have on your team to take that shot. Um, but, you know, he's going up against, I mean, let's even say Rondo's not going to play super hard on defense. He's going I up think against Drew Holiday, Holiday who's a good defender. He's probably going to make an all-defense team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean... We'll see with New Orleans, but I I have a ton of faith in them to win that win that series. Yeah. Um, so I guess we're in agreement there. You want to do uh, Utah OKC? Yeah. So um, I'll say this. First, I'll talk about OKC because my my feelings about the Jazz are well known. OKC, I think, has the is has sort of like your lowest floor, highest ceiling of any team in the playoffs. I would agree. Like. I think that there's a world out there where Mello is just unconscious from three, um, or at least like his, he's really feeling his shot. PG is, is, is like bringing his Eastern Conference Finals self. Russ is doing Russ shit. And Steven Adams, the most, you know, the, the, 
the most underrated, amazing center in the league. There, there's, there's a world where those four play so hot that they can even have a shot to take down Houston. Um, and there's also a world where Russ's basketball just doesn't translate to, to winning playoff games. And, you know, I think we've seen this with Russ in the playoffs a lot, that, like, he can get his, but, you know, I, I, I just feel like I, I've never seen something from Russ where I'm like, oh, man, he's going to win this playoff series for me. And I think the Paul George fit has been good, but it, it hasn't – this season has not given me a lot of faith that, like, um, that like they're going to gel to the point where they could make a run. And then there's this whole thing with, with, like, Roberson going down and, like, there's a lot of talk that, like, that was a big deal to them. That shouldn't be a big fucking deal. He can't shoot. And, like, he's a great defensive player, yes, but, like – I, I just feel like they should have been able to recover from that more. So, it's well known. I love Utah. I love Donovan Mitchell. I love Rudy Gobert. I think that Rudy um, will defend the rim, and that will really frustrate Westbrook, or at least, you know, take away something of what he's trying to do. Um, I think Rick, Ricky Rubio um, will will be interesting to see how the Thunder defend him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, they don't really have someone who clearly matches up there. You would think that Russ is going to cover Donovan Mitchell the whole time. And, like, and then there's also uh, every hipster's favorite NBA player, Joe Ingles, uh, who was, like, near 40 from three and just throws some hilariously great passes. So, like, I, I like the way this Jazz team is constructed. I love Quinn Snyder. I think he's such a great coach. And, like... It's well known that I hate Billy Donovan and think he's a terrible NBA coach. So, so you got I, to Jazz. I'm I'm very much picking the Jazz, although I'm going to leave an important caveat that like, and this is this is sadly, unfortunately, playing two sides of the question. But like, I do think that that if this Thunder team puts it together, there they could be another level of great than where Utah can get to. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm also going to end up taking Utah, so I vibe with a lot of what you said. I think the most critical point in this series and what's really going to decide it is that Russ is not a good outside shooter. And Russ adds his value to his teams by getting to the rim, sucking in the defense, and dishing or finishing at the rim. I think that style lends itself perfectly to what Rudy Gobert likes to defend. The way to fuck with Gobert is to put him out in high screens in the perimeter with guys who are awesome shooters and get him out of the paint. No, OKC has no one who can do that, really. Um, he'll be matched up with Adams the whole series. He'll be planted in the paint. And no one can score on Rudy Gobert in the paint. So I think Westbrook is going to really struggle in this series. Um, I I had OKC third on my ranking for the, for the playoff ladder they did. Um, I thought they were the third best team in any playoff series behind Golden State and Houston 20 games ago. Um, you know, because of a lot of what you said, their ceiling is just so high. And Paul George consistently is an incredible playoff player every year. He hits another level. Um, but I would like to recall one of my early season uh, predictions for this team. I thought that Paul George can have a really tough time coexisting with Westbrook. And I felt like we would all really appreciate how incredible it was that Durant coexisted so well with Westbrook. And 
Paul George came out on fire from three, and it was cool. He was just draining kick-out threes, running the offense, and Russ on the floor, or Russ is on the bench, and defending his ass off. Um, and my prediction looked a little weird, because, you know, Paul George is just, like, the perfect second-best player you could ask for for Westbrook. And what's happened in the last 20 games or so is George has just looked out of sorts. His shot is gone. Um, it'll come back, obviously, but if he's not canning the kick-out threes... I don't really know. It's going to be tough for him to exert his dominance in this game. And he's looked really out of sorts offensively for this team. Um, And I think that's a symptom of playing with Westbrook. I don't think it's easy to get yours when he's out there getting his. And Westbrook, uh, first of all, I just want to say the audacity of calling out people who say he stat hunts and then (laughs) getting 20 rebounds so he could get his triple-double for the year. Like, that's just that's one of the most tone-deaf things I've ever heard. Like, I don't care that you went out and got 20 rebounds. Like, go for it. You guys won the game. It was the Grizzlies. Like, do your thing. They're not trying. But don't then also <laughs> go on the record saying it's bullshit how people say you stat hunt. Russ is a crazy person. Can I? <laughs> that's just so blatant. Can I, can I make a point about Russ, though, before we, while we're just totally bashing him, and I agree with everything you said about him? Yeah. I think that Russ is like is like a summer when you're in high school. I think I think he's this it's just this unbelievable beautiful thing that you don't appreciate at all until it's gone. I think that, you know, 5 years from now or 6 years from now when he's past his prime and we're looking back at those highlights of him, you know, furiously sprinting at the hoop like those great um like, hesitation twos that he does in transition, the dunks, the just general, like, psychopath look on his face all the time. Like, I think that the world is such a richer place having Russell Westbrook in it. Dude, we don't have to caveat him every time we shit on him. I know. But I just, I just, I I, I think, like, I was thinking about that when I was talking about this series with someone else this morning, and, like, I think it needs to be said every time. Like... I say every time we bring up Westbrook that... He has an impact beyond stats. His intensity game to game in every moment lifts his teammates. And I think as much as Durant's efficiency covered for Westbrook's inefficiency, Westbrook's intensity covered for Durant's softness. <laughs> yeah. Like Durant, I think, needs someone like a Draymond Green, like Westbrook on his team, because Durant's just like he doesn't totally bring the best of himself in all moments. He's someone I would describe as having absolutely no flaws on a basketball court and being really good to great at everything in basketball. And he won't impact games sometimes. Um, And I think Westbrook, one of the things I love about his teams is that they almost always race out to like a 5-10 to point lead in first quarters. He comes in so hot that other teams have to raise their level to meet it. Um, I remember watching a game they played against the Warriors in Golden State where they blew the Warriors out of the gym. And it was just, Russell just came in and decided they were winning that game. And he was just running by the Warriors players. And that matters. But at the same time, if you're Utah and you're disciplined, he's going to be running into a brick wall. And Melo is awful at basketball. PG looks out of sorts. Their fifth starter is like Terrence Ferguson. It's someone bad. Maybe, um, Jer- maybe Jeremy Grant. I, I'm a Jeremy Grant fan, but... Abrines, maybe? There's just, 
I don't think it's easy to play around Westbrook offensively. And he's not, he was awesome for like five minutes against Harden on defense in the fourth quarter. There's not really someone for him to lock down like that. I think PG will take the Donovan Mitchell assignment. And I think they'll hide their fifth starter on on Ingles or something. But Ooh, do that at your at your yeah. peril. <laughs> I mean, I I think Utah will have a coaching edge. I think Westbrook is gonna shoot forty percent or worse from the floor in every game. Um, with Rudy Gobert out there and you know, I really see this series going Utah's way. It'll be close. Um you know, the Thunder could always come out and get 30-plus from three guys and just run people out of the gym, but yeah. I'm taking Utah in the series. I don't trust I don't trust OKC to work around the fact that Westbrook, this is a horrible series for him. With really good perimeter defenders and the best rim-protecting center in the league, that's a tough recipe for Westbrook. Absolutely. And um, I, I just, I think also, like, like, I think that how Russ goes is going to be how the team goes. And I think that if he's struggling and, and like, taking all these shots and missing all these shots, that's just, a like, a punch in the heart. Yeah, and part of the problem with Russ is you can't put the ball in someone else's hands. Like, if they were like, okay, Russ isn't, it's not totally working, let's give the ball to Paul George for three straight possessions. Russ, I'm not scared of him on the other three-point line. I'm just not. And... That, you know, as good as Paul George would be at running a pick and roll with shooters, there's one more guy in the paint. Um, so, you know, I I think the series is going to swing. I feel like I know what I'm getting from Westbrook. And if he just starts canning threes, sometimes he does that. Yep. You know, obviously that'll change things. I think the series is going to swing on how much Paul George can raise his game. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to have to shoot really well in the kickout passes. He's going to have to envelop Donovan Mitchell. And look... Mitchell doesn't shoot super efficiently. He has to take about 24 shots a game for this Jazz team. Mm-hmm. There's a world where the Jazz can't score. A lot of their defense, or a lot of their offense has been with kind of weird lineups out there that they just kind of make really nice cuts and smart passes and whatnot. And, you know, we'll see if that lasts into the playoffs. But I, I can't say enough how hard I think it will be for Russ to finish with Rudy Gobert at the rim. Yeah. I mean, my... God, I can't believe I'm saying this. My X factor is Mello, because I think that Mello might have the highest ceiling to floor of any player in the playoffs. I I think there's a very real chance he costs the Thunder one to two games in the series. Absolutely. Like, if if Mello is taking 20 shots and getting 18 points, that's, there's no way they can overcome that, because he's not going to give you next to anything on defense so, like, I was comparing him to Ryan Anderson earlier in the year. Yeah, I think that's a great comp. He's now worse. <laughs> and Ryan Anderson is not starting for the Rockets. Yeah. I mean, I think that if Melo can get near 20 points on under 15 shots um, while, you know, being a part of the offense and not getting murdered on defense, that that could really lift this team. And I think also, like, I think that that would that, that that just lifts the morale. I think like if it's like oh Mello's feeling it, you know we have to be we have to be aware of that kickout. Like honestly, right now I'm sagging off Mello to to help on the Russ drive. Oh, no, uh, I would not do any of that. I would stick go bare near the rim, sagging off Stephen Adams. 
They'll probably start with Gobert favors, which means well, favors takes mellow. Well, I think I think I'm not giving mellow wide open threes. I'm not giving him wide open threes. I'm saying like just a little bit of sag, because honestly, I want mellow to shoot the ball a lot this series if I'm the Jazz, and like I think that I think that the, the mellow that we're seeing right now, or at least this season, hasn't been able to hit consistently with somebody closing out on him. So like. So I, I'd, I'd much rather get up in his grill with favors, someone he thinks he can beat off the dribble, and be like, go for it, Melo. Take your... <laughs> like, I want Melo being like, this is a matchup I can thrive in. That's my goal from the chess. Yeah. Well, anyway, however you play Melo, he's my X factor. I think that if he's, if he's giving you efficient buckets and not sinking the ship on defense, that's such a huge win. Um, I mean, if he's torching favors, which is possible... Yeah. You know... They're they're a different team, you know. That being said, I think I think Utah wins the Favors Melo matchup. I think Melo takes and misses a lot of mid range jumpers, and I think Favors eats on the glass on both ends. Oh yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how much they sell out for offensive rebounds. Um, they're gonna have to rebound like menaces on defense because Stephen Adams is probably the best offensive rebounder in the league. Yes, or one of. Um, yeah. But you know. Uh, they can also get a ton of rebounds. Um, you know, I know Russ <laughs> averaged 10 rebounds a game. <laughs> I don't think he creates 10 rebounds a game for his team. So, you know, we'll see there. Uh, all right, let's talk. So I think we each have the same four teams winning. Houston, Golden State, New Orleans, Utah. Yeah. Second round, I have Golden State over New Orleans, and I have Houston over Utah. Yep. Um, I think the Harden-Capella pick-and-roll is going to make Gobert very uncomfortable on the perimeter. As great as Gobert is at protecting the rim, he's got lead feet on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And that's something that guys who are really dangerous from the perimeter, Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon even, will take advantage of. I, I, I think that Houston will beat whoever comes out of that Utah-OKC matchup. Me too. But I do think that they're going to have to really work and I might talk myself into betting the underdog in that series, depending on um, what I'm seeing. Just uh, I think this broke nicely for Houston. Here's here's my thinking on Utah's path to beating them. They have the wing defense necessary to contest all of Houston's threes. James Harden has been on another fucking level. Nobody's going to stop him. That's going to be insane. You're right that the pick and roll is going to do something, but Clint Capella can't shoot from the outside. No, they're going to run. They're going to run their their screen. If Gobert doesn't hedge hard, Harden will get basically whatever shot he wants out of it, or Chris Paul will. If Gobert does hedge hard, Capella can slip in for a lob. Yeah, I, I mean, I like as great as Gobert is on defense. This is why I'll always argue Draymond Green's a better defender. As great as Gobert is on defense, he can be exposed at the three-point line in sure. ways that mobile guys cannot. You're right. So, I mean, I, I think I'm mostly just thinking about the wing defense that like, the, that, like, Harden could get his 40, but, like, the threes might not fall if they've got enough defense out there. That's kind of my favorite way to stick the Rockets. Yeah. Make them, make them take twos. Don't help off the other guys. Make Harden and Paul score every point. Yeah. So... So I, I think that there's a path for Utah to win, and I also think in the if we're if we're living in the reality where um, where Russ and PG are just fucking hot as hell, um, 
I think that they could push this Rockets team too. And I mean, shit, like if the Thunder come out, and I don't think it's going to happen, but like if the Thunder come out like gangbusters and win in five and like are just looking like fucking world beaters, I might want to pick them as the underdog, even though I know um, the Rockets have such a big basketball Let's, advantage. Yeah, as, as bad as the Utah matchup is for Russ, I think the Houston one's incredibly tasty. Yes. Um, because I think Russ, Chris Paul's a great defender. Russ, he has no chance of covering. Russ is way too athletic for someone with half a meniscus to cover yeah. at 5'10". Exactly. Russ will eat, eat Chris Paul. Eat and him. that's happened in most Chris Paul-Russell Westbrook series. Is Westbrook has had a decided advantage. Yeah. Um, and also, like, Russ just fucking gets up to play James Harden. He does. And, like, I think that... He gets I think up that, to play everybody. He's I, Russ. <laughs> but, I mean, like, I think that he particularly gets up to play Harden because he's, like, you know... Everybody thinks Harden's better than me. Um, everybody talks about the lost dynasty. Rightly so. It's a lost dynasty. Um, but, like, you know, I need to, I need, like, I think that Russ is always trying to prove himself in that matchup. So, yeah. So, I, yeah. I would like the Thunder to, if they, if they escaped Utah to really push Houston. Um, but I, th- I think that Houston beats either of those teams probably in, in six for the Jazz, I would say seven for the Thunder. Um, yeah, and then I, you know, we both have Golden State over Houston in the Western Conference Finals, right? Yeah. Um, as, you know, with Curry coming back, maybe the end of this first round series, beginning of the second round series, I think if Houston were playing Golden State in the first round, I'd probably pick Houston. But, um, but I would. Because they, yeah. They, they they need a, they need a, they need this time to, with curry to get back. Out. I mean, even with a Curry, that's what we saw in twenty sixteen. I think Golden State's a much better team than Houston. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think, I think the the James Harden Chris Paul Dan Tony combo as a favorite in um, in any series is dangerous, which makes you know Houston OKC particularly tasty in the second round to the point where I'd really think about picking OKC in that series, but. I think Utah beats OKC. I think Houston beats Utah. Um, and, you know, right now the West, anyone who's not Houston, Golden State, you get some nice odds. I think most people agree that one of Golden State or Houston is coming out. Golden State's minus 110. Houston's even. So you're getting very similar odds. I think if you're, if you assume that Golden State is leaving the first round and San Antonio is such a bad team that's just through elbow grease and pop gotten to where they are. Yeah. Things couldn't have broken better for them. (laughs) They're going to get to roll that. They're going to get the winner of Portland, New Orleans, both of whom are very flawed teams. And that should be enough time for Curry to get his legs under him for a Western Conference Finals. And, you know, maybe Durant will have to take over games the way he could. I, I grade him on a different curve. He's... He should be able to score... An efficient 35 a game. And he just doesn't a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, but here's here's my thinking with Golden State. Is that, like, like, and you said this a lot. You said this quite well. That, like, Houston played their asses off this regular season. Yeah. They tried really hard. And I think that, you know, we, we, we've bragged about this bet a lot before. And if, and if I was you, I would do it every single podcast. You picked San Antonio to beat Houston without Kawhi, because you saw James Harden was fucking gassed. Yeah. And, like, 
I think that this Houston team... We bet that. I, I pitched it and you were down 100%. Yeah. But, like, but still. I, th- I, think, I think you should get the glory on that one. But, like, this, this Rockets team, and I know that I've, I've probably burned all of my credibility as a, as a basketball thinker in, in sort of doubting this Rockets team at every turn. So maybe now that I'm saying this right here, um, now's the time to bet Houston once again and, and bet on me being really wrong about them. But I just, they're all old except for Harden. They, they've played so hard in this, in this regular season so far. They really live by the three, as our, as our mentor John Carson would say, live by the outside shot, die by the outside shot. And, and just like, oh, and Capella's young too, I guess, but whatever. And like... Tucker's not old. Tucker's in his 30s, I think. But like, I just, I just still... Do not believe in this team as a championship team to to unseat Golden State. One thing I'll... to check with their rotation, though, um, and Bob Mute separated his shooting shoulder. Yes, if he can't shoot in a playoff series, and I think it's worth making him prove he can shoot in a playoff series again. Mm-hmm. If he can't shoot, this kind of immeasurable wing depth that the Rockets had takes a hit. And now, in terms of guys who could re- realistically cover Durant. You're down to Ariza and Tucker if Mbaba Mute can't shoot well enough to stay on the floor. Yeah. Um, anyway, I I think I'm in agreement with you there. The one thing I'll say with Golden State, I think you've you're much more sure of the idea they're going to play hard. I'm questioning it. Golden State will not beat Houston in a series if Houston plays harder. Hmm. I don't think Golden State can lollygag through Houston series. They have to play. Oh, well, they're not going to lollygag through the Western I, Conference Finals. We'll see. It might not be a switch. They might just be tired, apathetic, whatever. And with how hard Houston played, if Houston is winning all the hustle points, and then they then Golden State will lose to Houston. Golden State's going to have to really bring it and show some chutzpah <laughs> that they yeah. haven't showed all year. Yeah. And look, we'll see. I think I I I feel extremely confident that that chutzpah is there. You know, the light switch is always there until it's not. Well, I think I think that that's a conversation for aging superstars. Um, look at the Lakers dynasty that ended. The Warriors could easily be on a three-peat right now. The Lakers didn't win in two thousand three. They didn't win in two thousand four. They lost to the Spurs. And they lost to the Pistons. Yep. And Kobe was young. Shaq was still great that he won a title in Miami. Sometimes teams just atrophy. Yeah. I, I... And Harden and Paul are both Hall of Fame players playing really fucking well and really fucking hard. All that being said, though, I am very excited. Dan Tony. I know. I'm very excited to watch Dan Tony try and move the pieces around the chessboard. Oh, my God. It's going to be rich. Yeah. I really would have picked San Antonio in a Houston series. Not, like, straight <laughs> yeah. up, but I would bet on them. Yeah. Pop just... I think if... I think D'Antoni sees Pop and, like, shits himself a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, we're both on Golden State to win the title. They're, really? plus, they're plus 120. Houston's plus 160. Whoever Cleveland's comes out of plus the West... 650. Whoever comes out of the West is going to win. I think if Houston comes out of the West, the Cavs have a shot. 
it's I LeBron. hate the Cavs team. It's LeBron. I hate it too, but it's LeBron. <sighs> I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, uh, I'm good to wrap there if you are. Yeah, I think it's been a good one. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. Check out, I'm hopefully going to write a little something about what I would do for the All-NBA teams. Um, everyone who's professional writes those. I don't feel a particular need to, but I do feel like I want to say some shit um, about why I think Steph Curry should be a first-team All-NBA over Lillard and Westbrook, um, which is a hot take and various other hot takes. So I'll, I'll throw that out there. But yeah, excited for the NBA playoffs. Yes. All right. Thanks, Nick. Thank you.